Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the second Advocate Session episode of the Aquademia Podcast, where we take 10 with our online magazine, The Responsible Seafood Advocate. Just like last time, I'm here with editor Jamie Wright. How's it going, Jamie? Doing good, Sean. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's it's funny because we spend like all day every day together, and then we got to pretend like we haven't talked in a long time <laughs> when we get on this. <laughs> we're we're doing okay, faking it. Yeah. For the audience, what's going on? What's what's been up in your in your world the last week or so? Oh, what's up? Let's talk about what's on the side right now. Uh, we had a really good story this week from um, my uh, correspondent in based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, her name is Layla Nargi. Uh, her feature is on seafood cold chains. This week, so it's kind of an underreported topic, I think. Yeah, what what does cold chain mean? Refrigeration. So, like adequate refrigeration, cold chain from one refrigerated stop to another. Gotcha. So, in underdeveloped parts of the world, I could say my years of coverage. In, of aquaculture development, I'd say Africa, Indonesia are pretty good examples. There are logistical challenges that just make it really difficult uh, for seafood to travel, to enter the global marketplace, so to speak. So there's shortcomings in basic things like transportation, su- sufficient roads, cargo trucks, shipping um, routes, uh, shipping containers, airports. Remoteness leads to lower access to, to feed and to feed mm-hmm. manufacturers. And if you're in the aquaculture business, you know that Feed manufacturers are really the major conveyors of all technology. So if there's a new technology that needs to be introduced in an area, they're probably going to be introduced to it from their feed representatives. So right. they have a, a lot of influence. Electricity is a big one too. So, you know, related to that is refrigeration. Um, an, an analogy that comes to mind is with a brand new car. You take a brand new car, what do they say? As soon as you drive it a lot, off the lot, it, it decreases in value. Yeah. yeah. Same could be said for fish. So um, as soon as it leaves the water, it starts to lose value. And it needs to find ice immediately, preferably some sort of enclosed refrigeration to maintain quality. Now, the United Nations has reported that this lack of refrigeration is widespread, and it's a threat to the SDGs, the uh, Sustainable Development Goals. So that's what the story is about. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, and uh, a couple other things that are up there now I'd like to point out. I mean, we were here a couple weeks ago. We mentioned this in our first Take 10 update uh, the fisheries in focus series from the university of washington's mm-hmm. sustainable fisheries site uh, that launched 10 days ago uh, max mossler is the lead author uh, he writes about tunas billfishes and sharks and how their respective stock recoveries have taken like different tra- trajectories over the years due to management regimes mainly so what's neat for us sean is that you know folks who are longtime consumers of our our media products these are species we'd never really written <laughs> much about before uh, our change in focus. Yeah, know? that's true. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of cool. So thanks to Max and Ray Hillborn for this new feature, which we'll roll out every month. And just well, lastly, just you know, aquaculture nerds, I, I see you, <laughs> I hear you. You're we're one of you. Don't you're worry. You're in my inbox. <laughs> so you know, we have papers on this week on performance of rice protein meal for shrimp. And oral vaccination of tilapia against streptococcus, which is the major problem. Uh, so we have plenty of aquafeed and animal welfare content to get your geek on. That's what we all need. <laughs> That's what we all need. <laughs> That's what we all need. Um, what, what, uh, what's coming in the future? Now, yeah, I don't really know if this is next week or the week after, but it's the story I think we can all relate to. It's about stress. 
Mm. So it's affecting fish. I can certainly relate. To yeah, it. <laughs> it's affecting. You have two, how many daughters? Say three. Yeah, three under the age of six. So. <laughs> That's, I'd say you're qualified. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but this stress is affecting fish too. Um, longtime contributor Lauren Kramer uh, lives near Vancouver, Canada. I've been working with her for a long time, 15 years or more. Um, she checked in to see what's being done with tilapia and the shrimp subsectors to augment welfare practices. You know, in order to meet today's, what I'd say, are evolving ethical standards and uh, ultimately produce a better product. Um, what we're learning is that we're, you know, fish that were not stressed or in a low stress environment uh, during their time on the farm or that were not engaged in a stress response at the time of slaughter, they're of, of a better quality. Uh, qualitatively, they can measure this. So it's like kind of confirming what everybody kind of knew, you know? Exactly. It's yeah. had a lot of things about like uh, parallels with just sustainability in, in general, things that we thought would be good for the fish or actually good for business. And this is one of those things. Nice. Um, so, you know, farmers need to do what's right and ethical, of course, but they also need to protect their investments. And this is one way of doing that. It's nice when those things match up. Yes. Sending better quality products, you know, to the market, it protects your price, but the industry image too. And that's really important stuff. All right. Well, that's going to be exciting. And uh, we'll make sure to link to the advocate so people can check out the ones that you mentioned before that's already on there and they know where to go for the next one. But let's take, uh, I know you wanted to take a, another trip back in the Wayback Machine. Yeah, I love that. To talk about something uh, that was influential from advocates past. Can we uh, get into that? Yeah, let's, we're going to be still in the digital age and dig out the old uh, musty print copies <laughs> for this one. <laughs> but uh, this is back in uh, my era. So we're going to go back six years to th 2017. I was just checking this article out. It's But a, a, a subject I think is of huge importance to aquaculture, and it's Artemia. It's this, probably this, one of the smallest creatures that we deal with. They're, they're, they're a brine shrimp. <laughs> So I'm going to read you the intro to this uh, 2017 article I wrote. They appear to the untrained eye as fine grains of sand, about one quarter million artemia, tiny brine shrimp that can exist in spherical eggshells or cysts in a state of zero metabolism for decades, together weigh about one gram. These dried cysts are, uh, they look like deflated capers under the microscope, but these incredibly unique animals, which are endemic to the world's salt lakes and which in a seeming miracle of nature spring to life when added to seawater, are the worker ants of aquaculture, quietly fueling a multi-billion dollar global industry that now produces half of the world's seafood. So think of Artemia as baby food, you know, for shrimp. It's for a very mm -hmm. specific life stage when that's pretty much all that a newly hatched Nopoli shrimp can eat. So, you know, I went into great detail about the sourcing and it's a fascinating article if you're interested. Uh, if you get on The Advocate, just search for magic powder. Mm -hmm. you, you, you come right to it, yeah. <laughs> and then if you're interested, I followed up three years later on a, 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 if you look for an article under the search term baby food. I tried to see, well, if, is there a bottleneck to supply? Like if this, this is a finite resource, so mm -hmm. what are the, what's the outlook long term? So I checked in a few years later. Uh, you know, these brine shrimp, if you're not familiar, they're from, they're from like the Great Salt Lake. Uh, bodies of water in Russia, Kazakhstan, China. It's very limited. Um, and, you know, they're like, like fish meal and fish oil. It's a parallel. Yeah. There's a lot of new replacements coming out. And, but, you know, nothing to date is really compared to the performance of Timia. They looked mm -hmm. into rotifers. Yeah, but, I was going to say rotifers are probably yeah. the closest that they've gotten, right? Right. But, like, <clears> this, <throat> the search goes on. So if you're interested in Artemia, read those two articles, look for magic powder and baby food, and learn 
like how important they really are to the overall structure of this industry. You know, it's funny when I was hired here, one of the questions that I was asked is kind of what is what is like the one thing about your current job, which at the time I was raising zebrafish. They say, what's kind of the one thing about your current job that you would like will not miss? <laughs> and I think my answer was decapsulating Artemia. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah, there's like a lot of products just uh, w- with a specific uh, aim of removing the, the shrimp from the, the cyst. Yeah, we would bleach them. We'd, we'd, we'd mix them in bleach for a certain amount of time so that outer layer kind of dissolves off. And you, you have to be really specific with how long you do it or else you'll obviously kill them because it's bleach. You got to rinse it off really good so to make sure there's no bleach left. And then uh, you got to let it sit for a little while and they hatch out on their own. It's pretty, pretty wild, but it was not a fun, not does, a fun it, part of my job. It sounds interesting. I mean, but it sounds like there's such a precious resource that you can't really. Right. And I, I mean, and it was like it. twice a day, like yeah. doing it. it. It was constantly, Artemia was always a part of your day every day. So, <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know, they are the, they are the sea monkeys too. Yeah. So like, if you're talking about a waste of. Uh, yeah, waste, waste of a resource. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Selling them as a toy, basically. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's it. That's what we're working with for this week, huh? Feeling good. good. Feeling good. Yeah. So if anybody, if any of that stuff sounds interesting to any of our listeners, which I'm sure it will because uh, our listeners are right in there with them, they're nerds like us, you know, they're going to love it. It's going to, it's uh, there's a lot of good stuff on The Advocate. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes to read all of that content and share it with uh, your networks. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this week? No, I'm just enjoying this uh, the new product we're working on. I think it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. We're, we're breezing through it super fast, too. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for listening to this Advocate Sessions episode of the Aquademy Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Till next time.